We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to be on the show today with Eric. And before I get into my interview with him about uh, what he's going through, I do want to talk about something that I'm offering this uh, next month. So this is coming out the beginning of April. And in May, we're going to be doing a show up, lead up, level up, so you can move up workshop series that I want to invite you to attend. And it's going to be a pretty cool experience. Uh, I did this live here in Washington last month, and it was so good. And I got such good feedback that I'm offering it uh, virtually. Uh, this is especially if you are an assistant principal and trying to, you know, move up in your profession. Maybe that means getting a principal job. Maybe that means something else. If you're a coach or an aspiring administrator, I know many of you are listening to this show. And I've gotten emails over the years of people saying, Jethro, how can I get this job? And the reason why I didn't ever go down this path of, of creating stuff specifically for assistant principals is that I always felt like I needed to do tactical things like, here's how you write a resume. Here's how you do a job interview. Here's how you prep for the job interview. And that always just seemed like not the right thing for me to be involved in. And so I didn't think that I could do any better at that than anybody else out there. And so I didn't create that. What I created was something that will help you get strategically better, not tactically. So when we think about strategy, we're thinking about the big overarching things that you put in place to make the systems work and be effective. So you could think of it this way. Um, what I'm trying to help you do through this workshop series is help you be in a position where people are inviting you to apply for jobs rather than you applying for every job to get that one principal job. 
And I want to flip that on its head a little bit and focus on the making yourself someone that people are going to come looking for, for positions. Because if you believe that that's where you're at, you're going to be better at what you're doing anyway. You're not going to show up as desperate. You're not going to show up as like, I just got to get this job. I've been there. That's what I did. When I wanted to become a principal, I was like begging for the job. And I know that that turned off potential employers from it. And when I changed my mindset about that and didn't really care about whether or not I got the job and I was seeing if it was a good fit for me, I did a much better job of presenting myself in those interviews and those situations and, and all of that stuff. So that's something that I would like to give you an opportunity to learn how to do and see what it looks like, because I think it can be really powerful for you. So uh, I'm going to do these interviews over the, the next month. You're going to hear people who came to the workshop, hear their experiences. I hope this is something that's beneficial and valuable for you because I, I know that it was for these people who came through already, and I want to make it accessible for everybody. Maybe you're discouraged that you haven't gotten a principal job for next year yet. Maybe you've done a couple interviews and you're just not presenting well. Well, this is an opportunity for you to start thinking about strategic things that you can do to get that job sooner. And, and hopefully uh, it'll help you out. And if you're already a principal, you might sign, find some value in it as well. But this is really specifically geared towards uh, aspiring administrators, assistant principals, deans, uh, coaches who want to level up so they can move up. So uh, you can find out more information on it at moveup.transformativeprincipal.com. And there's a link to it in the show notes. That's moveup.transformativeprincipal.com. And I, I look forward to seeing you there. And I hope that this will be something beneficial for, to you. And listen to these next uh, four episodes about that. But first, we're going to get into our regular coaching session with Eric. I'm coming to you from the beautiful Catalyst Center in Davis County, Utah. Uh, the Catalyst Center is students who uh, are getting real world experiences, which I think is just awesome. And they edit the podcasts that we do. And it's pretty cool to give them that opportunity. So they've got classes here. They come half a day, two or three times a week. And it's uh, it's a pretty awesome experience. So um, Eric, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm hanging out one last day in Missoula, Montana, looking for some teachers at the teacher fair. Well, I mean, this might be the highlight of the trip that you and I finally met in person after all these years. <laughs> I know my, my buddy that came with us was like, I thought you said you guys were good friends. He said you never met before. Yeah. And so I, I tried to explain. I'm like, well, he's like a mentor to me and I've read his books and we meet once a week and talk, but, but, you know, technically yes, first physical, yeah. physical meeting. So I know. My, uh, my wife and my kids tease me about all my online friends and how, <laughs> like, in fact, before I left, I, I told her and the kids that, that I was going to meet you. And they're like, um, she said, kids don't make online friends like dad does. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, he's not being a good example, but I do think it is a good example. It's a different world than what you and I grew up in. And, um, you need to like vet people and not just like be, be dangerous, but you know, it's okay to become friends with people virtually and then finally meet them in person. 
at a yeah. pizza place in Missoula, Montana. <laughs> yeah. It was a beautiful day. I hope your drive was good. We had a beautiful day and had a good day fishing yesterday. It almost felt like spring. It was like 48 degrees. Yeah. And w yeah. word. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was pretty much sunny all the way down here, which was, which was awesome. Um, what, uh, did you catch anything? That's I did. Important. You did? did? Good. Yeah. Yeah. We went and fished somewhere new. We had never been. And then, um, made a new fishing buddy and he took us kind of around where he lives and it was funny. It was like a guide, you know, he's like, all yeah. right, get on this hole, use this fly. Um, you know, the first fish I caught, he comes over and nets it for me and, Oh, we got to get a picture, you know, like you're a tourist paying yeah. for, for yeah. a trip. So That's awesome. it, was, it was great. It was a great day. That's good. Um, I think that there's a deeper lesson in that also that it's okay to look around and ask for help and, and find like people who can help guide you to become what you're capable of being. And I think all too often we're too caught up in our own heads and too self-conscious to really see how that is something that we can do with everything, not just fishing or being a principal or, or anything. We can use that in a lot of different areas. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what you've been for me as like a principal guide, right? Cool. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the other thing I want to touch base on, did you, uh, connect with those guys from school AI and get a chance to look at what they're creating? I did. I set up a, the co-teacher meeting uh -huh. on Friday, but I was too late to get on. So I need to reschedule. I, I got to town at like three 30 and I had a schedule for three o'clock. So Okay. Yeah. So, um, what they're creating is pretty cool. And because I've been able to see it like evolve over the past couple months, it's really quite amazing, especially for a secondary principal like you. Um, I think there's great potential to use it to help teachers and make them, uh, save them time, make their lives easier. And, and they're doing a lot of cool stuff. So if anybody's listening, you're interested schoolai.com, definitely go check it out and see how it can start saving your teachers time right away. Cause I really think it can. Um, so what's on your mind today? You know, I think a, a good topic that's on my mind is um, recruiting teachers. So yeah. you've talked about this in your book. And I believe it's the very last chapter in your latest book. Yeah, right? second to last chapter in uh, How to Be a Transformative Principal. Yeah, and so you you have some different ideas in there how to how to do interviews differently and like the phone calls that you make when you get an applicant that mm -hmm. I love. Here, I told you the story about you know one of the prospective teachers that I had lined up for this weekend who before I could get here took another job. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. You know, good for them. It's a teacher's market for sure. But, you know, the, our admin team has been talking like, what do we need to do differently to be a little more flexible and not wait, you know, to have a formal interview team and, and kind of do the hiring process the traditional way. I'm wondering if you have some thoughts on knowing how few applicants there are and how many vacancies there are in the whole country. What are some things that we can do differently to, to recruit teachers and get good people to fill our, our vacant positions? Yeah. I think the first thing to ask is what are, um, what are you doing right now 
that you're feeling good about? And what are you doing right now that you're not feeling good about? So like, and I'm, I'm asking that question specifically because everybody listening should say, what do I feel good about in my hiring processes? And what do I not feel good about in my hiring processes? And if you are starting out aware of, of what doesn't feel good, that's going to put you ahead in whatever plans you make. So let's start with you personally. What are you feeling good about? And what are you not feeling good about? Um, I feel good about, you know, one of the most basic things is how easy it is to find job postings and fill out an application. Like our district website makes that very simple, easy. I know that frustrates people and people honestly give up on even, even looking. So that that's a plus. Um, I think we were pretty good about getting vacancies open sooner and not waiting. I know that's going to be important this year if districts wait till April to make decisions and yeah. May for teachers to resign or retire. Um, so we are, we're ahead of the game compared to a lot of schools, but I've seen a lot of other schools doing the same thing where they're posting vacancies for next school year in December and January. Yeah. So, and uh, in the international market, people post for positions for the following year in September. So yeah. like uh, one of my, one of my good friends is a international school principal and um, like she's, she's looking for job postings for, you know, almost starting the following year right now. And like, you're probably not going to get jobs for this fall. If you're international, there's, there's a lot of like travel and like getting to the location that, that matters. And we experienced that in Alaska also that, you know, it, it, mm -hmm. it's a big deal to move to Alaska. And so that's something that you got to take into consideration. Um, Okay. So good is easy to fill out applications, vacancies open sooner, anything else? Well, and early for, you know, traditional schools get, getting a lot of our postings we got up in late January, early February. So that is early. That's very early. Yeah. Okay. So what are you not feeling good about? Um, I don't know how much of a difference they make, but I've always liked having a presence at teacher fairs in the surrounding states, like whether you need a lot of hires or not, I think it's good to just meet some of those graduates and get your name out there of your district because down the road when they're looking to make a change. Um, but we have quit going to some because of how few graduates they have in their program where it's like, are we really going to drive across, you know, couple hundred miles for 20 teachers graduating and how many of them already have a job before, yeah. before the job fair. So I don't know how, how much, you know, traditional like teacher fairs at universities are leading to positions being filled because I think the internet has changed that and people are applying sooner and schools are way more open to having you know, applicants that aren't even done student teaching, like they're not as worried about licensure and finishing your degree. Um, so I don't, I don't know how impactful the job fairs are, but we're only going to two this, this cycle, which is not very many. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I think that it's, um, it's a very real challenge, like traveling, a great distance to have a chance at 20 people 
where I, I know in Alaska, one of the things we did is we, we would hire people on the spot, like, mm -hmm. you know, of course, pending background checks and completion of certification requirements, things like that. But we would make offers and get people in the system at a job fair in February or March or April and, you know, plan on them coming up. And, but that was when there were, you know, like a lot more graduates than there are now. I mean, you, what were you saying? There were only 20 graduates from a, a decent sized school. Yeah. And this, this one in Montana, their biggest university, I think it's 42 graduates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how many other uh, districts are at this job fair? I'm not sure, but a lot more than 42. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't been to this one since COVID, but I, I want to say there are some, you know, 80 to 100. Alaska always has a bunch of schools, Nevada, mm -hmm. Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Anything else you don't feel good about? Um, well, I, I wonder how much having some social media helps. Cause I know that a lot of prospective teachers probably look, look into that, like trying to learn more about the school. You know, we have a, a school website that's pretty good. We're, we're working on improving that a little bit, but I wonder how much social media could, could help with that. Just seeing mm -hmm. what does this district promote and celebrate and send out. Yeah. Well, I, I think what, what you're getting at is what can we do to make it so that people would want to be at our school or district. And yeah. those are the things that like, we really need to be thinking a lot about. And I think for me, the, the first thing is what are you doing to attract people to your school? And to be honest, I think you doing this podcast and like when people search for you on the internet, they find you on this podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you having some presence out there that is more than just, um, here's, you know, here's our static generic webpage that has information. And maybe you can see the principal's message from two or three years ago. Like that's not really helping. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything to help you. It, it might do something to hurt you. It might not, I'm not totally sure, but it really doesn't, it doesn't say here's why you should come here. And, and I think that's one of the things that we need to be doing. Um, so what from the books specifically did you think were were ideas that we should give more emphasis to and talk about well one was you didn't wait and pick a day and get subs and set like an interview day you would get people together and um do it kind of flexibly like hey we have an applicant and they're somebody we want to interview and we're not going to wait for three more mm -hmm. let's interview and i'm guessing that was on zoom too. Not, not always in person, right? Yeah. Often on zoom, not always in person, but let me give the philosophy behind that. Cause I think it adds value to the conversation. If somebody has a job interview coming up, you want to be flexible with them from the beginning so that they see how you're really going to be. 
Now, if you're not going to be flexible when they actually get hired, then don't be flexible because then you're just being a jerk. (laughs) That's not a good idea. You're doing a bait and switch. But if you can be flexible beforehand and say, hey, you look interesting to us. We want to interview you. When is a good time for you? That's way different than we're doing interviews on this day at this time because we have to get all these people together. And basically, you can come at this time and that's pretty much it. So for example, this is a good negative example. I'm applying to a doctoral program and the first round of the application I got accepted. They're like, okay, we want to interview you. So they set up an interview and they're like, we can do it at this day during this hour. And it's a 20 minute interview. So you can do it during this time. And I'm presenting at a conference tomorrow. That's when the interview is. And so like an hour before my presentation, I have to do a graduate school interview. And I'm like, look, if this is your only time, then this is what it's going to be. I'm going to be on my phone. I'm going to be in the hallway at a conference. Like this is not a great experience for either one of us, but you're not being very flexible and saying we can do it whenever you can, you know, and especially like with tools that exist, like Calendly, you can put everybody's calendar in there and they can just find a time that shows that everybody's available. And, and that, that doesn't have to be like tomorrow and it could be down the road a little ways, but again, that's not the end of the world. So, so being flexible from the beginning, if you're really going to be flexible can be a valuable thing to do. Um, and, and I think you want to treat your interviewees, how you're going to treat your people when they're hired and be real with them and don't try to like paint this picture of how wonderful your school is. That's why I say, if you're not going to be flexible with your teachers, don't be flexible with your candidates because you're not doing anybody any favors. And Mm -hmm. so you might as well be who you really are. And if you do want to have order and structure and say, this is when we do things, then that's totally fine, but you better own it. And you better like make sure that that's really what is uh, what's going on. and, And you're good with that. Um, so, so those are some thoughts around there. What else, what else stood out to you? Um, I remember the phone call you would make when you got an applicant Yeah, and, and as a way to kind of screen and just be honest with them, like, Hey, this is what our school is all about. And I want yeah. you to know that. And do you still want to be considered and give them a chance to opt out if that's not where they want to be? Yeah. So I think with that, what I would do is get their application And then I would just call them right away as soon as I got it. And then they're always surprised. They're like, oh, you're calling me? That's weird. And there's all this like weird secrecy and protocol around hiring someone. And all that does is just turn people off and make them think, gosh, do I really want to go jump through all these hoops just to get a job there? How much, how many hoops am I going to have to jump through after the fact? And And so if you can be personable and be real and say, this is what's going on and, you know, you can take as much time as you need to do that and do that at any point. I was sitting down in an interview with a newly graduated teacher and was telling her about our title one school and how difficult it was and how, how much extra um, she had to do and how much extra paperwork she had to do. And I said, how does that sound to you? Like, do you feel like that's what you are want to get into for education? She's like, I don't think so. That does not sound like a fun thing. And I was like, 
then we should stop the interview right now. I promise you, this is not going to be worth it. If that's how you're feeling right now, it's just not worth it. And being able to say that early on in the conversation is so empowering because it, you're right. I do think it's a teacher's market right now and they can, they can go anywhere and they can negotiate things that they probably have never been able to negotiate. And, and we have to be prepared for that and know that that's a, a reality that we're facing. So yeah. uh, calling them up, being personable from the very beginning and saying, here's what we got going on. Do you want to do this? And like, this goes back to the vision of your school. This goes back to um, how you're showing up on social media and what people can learn about your school by doing searches and stuff. And I think that that all is really important because people will be able to see what your school is really like. And it does matter. Like this school that I'm at right now, the Catalyst Center is all about people, kids doing real world projects. And if you're not down with that, you really shouldn't be at the school. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if they say that or not, but I, if I were the principal here, I would not want people who wanted to stand up and teach. So like, I have not, like, I've been here all morning. I haven't seen a teacher stand up in front of the class and do anything this whole time because the kids are all working on projects. And like, we got here at like seven 10 minutes after it started and the kids were already like engaged in their work right away. You've got to be able to show that and let people see that before they actually come and getting on the phone right away and calling them is, is one of those things. The other thing I'd say about that is the personal nature of that, the doing things that aren't scalable, that takes time, that takes energy. And it lets people know that you're paying attention to them individually and that goes a long way for people to feel like they're being seen. And it's a very important thing for everybody to feel like that. I think as there's less and less applicants, myself included, a lot, a lot of administrators I've talked to are worried about, you know, like your conversation with that applicant on the phone, you basically talk them out of applying, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you only had two applicants, you're like, you know, I don't want to scare them away. We don't want to end up with nobody, but really it's still better for them to decide that this is not the right place for me and not decide that after they've been hired and they're feeling like, you know, this isn't the place or you weren't honest about what this job was going to be like. Um, So it's just, it's, it's hard. It's like, you don't have a lot of, a lot of interested teachers, but you, you really still shouldn't lower the bar and just say, well, we're just going to take whoever we want and tell them whatever they want to hear. Cause that's, that's going to be just as bad or worse than not filling positions. Yeah. We, you know, at the same time that we complain that States are lowering the standards for a teacher to get, um, to become a, t- a person to become a teacher. We're also saying things like we just need a body in the room and we're shooting ourselves in the foot with that one. Because if you just have a body in the room, then it, that's going to end poorly if that's the way that you're looking at it. If if you just yeah. need a babysitter in the room, then be okay with just having a babysitter and say, that's what we're looking for. Uh, one of my jobs was being the distance learning team lead before, like years before COVID happened. And part of my job was to make sure that there was a warm body in the classroom 
who had very low expectations, basically just making sure kids were safe and not hurting each other and were, you know, somewhat engaged in the lesson, but they had no authority. They had no power. They had, they weren't certified teachers. They were classified staff and, and they just needed to be there. That was it. That was all we needed was for them to physically be there. And, um, and some of the principals like wanted, you know, somebody really great and others recognized what it was and just said, we just need somebody to sit in there and make sure everybody's being safe and let us know if they're not, and we'll come mm-hmm. in and, and take care of it. But that's a different kind of approach. And if you're talking about a certified teacher and you say, we just need a body, you're really missing out on, um, on getting someone who's going to be really great with those kids and your kids deserve to have a great teacher in there, the best teacher that you can find. And that doesn't always mean that it's going to be the best teacher there is, but you do need to do your best to find the best teacher for those kids. So you can't just give up and say, we just need a body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've I've heard that from other places too, that have struggled even before the real bottom fell out with, you know, people going into education and people leaving the profession and, and they had said, you know, we're, we're just afraid to, Uh Oh, I just lost your audio. Mm -mm. Hmm. Oh, looks like your internet connection is not very good. That could be the issue. How about now? There we go. Okay. All right. Good. They can edit this out. Great learning opportunity for them. Um, But, you know, some of the other people I've talked to have said they're they're worried to ever non-renew a teacher, no matter how ineffective or or unhappy they are, even not good for kids, because they won't get any applicants. And then, you know, you're lowering the bar with the staff that you already have, which is which is not good, not good for your school, your kids. So one of the other things that I would add here is you, you need to always be looking for talent. You need to always be recruiting people to your school. And so the other day I was, my daughter got a, um, a gift card to a pita pit and we go into pita pit and I'm very much a fan of making my kids do things that they're uncomfortable with so they can learn how to do it on there. I'll make sure they don't fail uh, too bad, but I'll let them struggle through some things. And my kids don't always like that, but I think it's important. So my 11 year old daughter was, you know, telling this guy what she wanted. And I was thinking if I were a principal, I would, I would tell this guy that he should be a teacher because he was so good with my daughter. He was super patient. He was um, talking to her like, you know how sometimes people talk down to kids and mm-hmm. use like a kid voice. He wasn't doing that. He was speaking clearly and speaking loudly so that she could hear him and then patiently waiting for her to respond. He just did such a great job. And I was like, I would want this guy in my school. I don't know anything about him, but the way that he's treating my daughter shows me that he'd be someone great to have in my school. And there were several several instances in my career where 
I, I saw someone like that and I said, Hey, have you ever thought about working in schools? And I always phrase it like that. So that if they're, you know, if they don't have a bachelor's degree or would have to go work for a long time to, to get that, that there's still a place for them and we can still use great people. Uh, and one of our early in my career, there was a, uh, a mom who was the PTA president and eventually she became a teacher and it was great to see how we could get her involved um, because she didn't have a degree. She didn't have any uh, education at all besides high school, but we were like, why don't you come be an assistant and you can like start and see if this is really something that you want to do, but you've got to be looking for people and don't be afraid to say, have you ever thought about this? And here's the thing that's so powerful about that. Everybody wants to feel special, like they have a purpose and they have a meaning. And if you can find a way to help someone see something they can't see about themselves, that can be really powerful. And it's a very simple thing to say, have you ever thought about being in education or working in schools or working with kids? And, and then to have, you know, them have this realization that maybe they could do that. Some people think they could never do that for this reason or other, but you can, you can tell when someone cares about other human beings by how they treat kids. And if they're not talking down to them, if they're treating them with respect, like those things go a long way. And I would be willing to wait two, three, five years for someone great to come into my school and to like be a mentor to them and get them to come. And I think it would be totally worth it. Well, and how many, how many times do people tell young people don't go into teaching? Yeah. I mean, I even hear teachers say that, like, why would people want to go into teaching, yeah. you know, telling students that telling their own kids that, and that's part of, part of why I think fewer and fewer students want to go into education is that we're not really acting like we enjoy it and we're not really telling them what's great about it. And yeah. I'm not saying we should lie and, Oh, it's an easy job and you'll be rich. <laughs> no, yeah. it's hard and you'll never be rich, but there's still a lot of good things about working in schools that I know it's hard. And, and I, I try not to do that. You and I have talked like administrators are the same way. How many yeah. teachers would be great administrators, but don't do it because they're building principal complaints and, says, Oh yeah, I'm so busy. And here's all the bad things I deal with. Like we're not really promoting our own profession. And I think that, that, that would help a lot if we could change that. Yeah, it would. And that's, that's why I think, um, doing things that do promote our schools, uh, on social media podcasts, uh, whatever we can do, I think are, are so valuable. The other thing is like, I know it's an emergency right now, but you, you, Eric, really need to be preparing for next school year and the year after. And, um, and you want to be there, you want to still be the principal. And so like building a pipeline and getting people ready to come in even several years out is really valuable. And, you know, I, the people that as, just, as I get older, I see these people coming back into my life that were in my life before that I thought were like, like we were done and Mm -hmm. the power of relationships is incredible. And so like this doctoral program I'm applying to is, um, is being run by, uh, Tom, her, who is, um, 
who was on my podcast a couple of times. And what, what is amazing is that I just really liked him and I want to do this doctoral program because I want to do it with him. And so like, I don't, I don't care what the doctoral program is. It's with him. And I think that's going to be valuable and worthwhile. So, so like it, I, it doesn't really matter. So why not, you know, start building those relationships and, you know, even with students at your current school, like, Hey, you're going to graduate next year. Maybe you should, you know, look at being a teacher. Maybe you should uh, work here. Maybe we can find a place for you after you graduate to go work in the elementary schools and start uh, having a way to pay for college, that kind of stuff. Um, and then making those plans and staying in touch with those people and just, um, you know, every few months say, here's what we're doing at our school. This is what's really cool. This is something I'm learning that I believe in and that's powerful. And so that people are like, Hmm, when I have to choose a school, do I want to go to the school that is just like every other school that I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know the principal, or do I want to go to a place where I've started building relationships with the people there? Mm -hmm. It, it's going to be a no brainer. You're going to want to go to the place where you already feel safe and comfortable and like, it's going to be a good experience. And maybe you'll even go someplace else, but then you'll come back to that later and say, yeah, I want to, I want to work with you. In fact, one of my teachers now is uh, one of my former teachers is now one of my coaches because she has skills that I need to improve on. And I'm now going to her and I thought I would never talk to her again. And, and yet I get to talk to her every week now. And it's like, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I think it's so cool because I didn't know she had these skills. And then when I found out, I was like, yeah, I, I want to work with you. I want you to coach me. And I was with a different coach and I told that coach I'm moving to Danielle. Cause I want Danielle to be my coach. Cause I trust her and know her and I'm going to be more accountable to her. Like those things really do matter. So you've got to be connecting with people, building relationships and stay in touch with all your previous teachers that you liked, you know, the ones you didn't like, you know, still stay in touch and be professional, but at the same time, like don't burn that bridge, but you know, yes, yeah. be aware of those opportunities that can come. Well, and I, you made me think I read an article about a district. I don't know where it was, but they, they started a really cool thing that I would love to do. When kids graduated high school, they signed a letter of intent to come back and teach at the same district. And if they did, they got like a $5,000 bonus. Yeah. How cool is that? Like your senior year, you know, I think I want to be a teacher. It's like, okay, sign here. And if you graduate and we have an opening and you take it your first year back at your home district, you get a $5,000 bonus. I thought that was a really unique way to I mean, that's pretty early recruiting them when they're in 12th grade. <laughs> yeah. I, but I mean, the thing is like, and you can't guarantee that they would actually come back, but you're not losing anything, you know? Yeah. Um, I, and I, I think more of those kinds of things should happen. I think we should do more growing our own people and do more of this is, this is a worthwhile profession that you should plan to go into and that you should look forward to going into. And we should make the path easier. Like one of my major complaints is that we don't do student teaching until their last semester or last mm -hmm. two semesters of college. And it's like, what a waste. Uh, 
the last thing that I'll say on this is that if there is any kind of further schooling anywhere near you, <laughs> you should have some sort of agreement where those college kids are in your schools working from the first day they go to college and they, they can be volunteer hours. They can be paid positions as classified staff, but I mean, you've got to build this pipeline more than just randomly go to a school once you graduate and try to find a job. And yeah. I mean, there's got to be a better way to do that. And it boggles my mind that we're not already doing that. I mean, if I were a superintendent, that is one thing I'd be totally focused on is building that long-term pipeline so that we know we have 30 people to choose from for, for every single year, even if they're, even if we don't have 30 openings or even if we have 60 openings, having somebody you already know makes a huge difference. And uh, it can't be that complex. We always need people in schools. Yeah. And we have work to do, but it's definitely doable. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, that was fun. Anything else? Any final words before we sign off, Eric? No, I don't think so. Thanks for your help, Jethro. And thanks for making a pit stop yesterday. Oh, man. It was fun. Uh, You did have a friend and unfortunately we couldn't record in person, but that's all right. I know that talking nerdy educational stuff isn't for everybody. So (laughs) I understand. Just just you and I. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks, Eric. This was great chatting with you. And um, if you haven't gone and listened to all of the previous episodes with Eric, um, you definitely should. I think this is a really fascinating insight into uh, what you've been learning as your first year at this new school. And I'm, I'm really glad that we're doing it. Um, those are in the show notes at transformativeprincipal.org. You can go check those out. And uh, Eric, thanks for thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks, Jethro. Have a great week. Have a fun trip. Okay, thanks. We'll see you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.